Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Our conversation today will revisit the emerging markets. So with that in mind, glad to welcome back to Top of the Morning, Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for the Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Alejo, great to be with you again. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to picking back up with our ongoing conversation on the emerging markets. Good morning, Dan. It's always great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And as our listeners know, on a monthly basis, Alejo, you do like to drop by to talk about your team's monthly flagship piece, Investing in Emerging Markets, and the title for the month of August, A Disciplined Approach as the Tide Goes Out. This piece, by the way, available now up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Our clients of UBS can contact their financial advisor if they would like a copy of the publication directly, though let's dive a bit into this piece. Now, the fragility of emerging markets in a changing global liquidity environment has been gaining the spotlight in the financial press. Alejo, from your vantage point, do you think this is justified? That's spot on, Dan. Look, the reality is that global liquidity is tightening and it's tightening fast. And in this environment, some emerging markets are facing pressures this may give the impression, for example, that what is going on in countries like Sri Lanka represents the first of many emerging market crises in the pipeline. And if you think about it, history does lend support to such inter- interpretation. In recent decades, periods of widespread economic, financial, and social stress in emerging markets were often preceded by a sharp tightening of global liquidity conditions such as what's going on today. Think of Paul Volcker's outsized interest rate hikes in the late 70s and how this really gave rise to the debt crisis in less developed countries of the 80s. Or Alan Greenspan's rate increases in the mid-90s, which together with the drying up of Japanese liquidity, were linked with many emerging market crises beginning 1994, starting with Mexico's tequila crisis, the Asian Tigers crisis, the Russian vodka one, Brazilian samba, and Argentine tango economic and financial crisis beginning in the mid-90s. So it's important to, to remember Warren Buffett famously said, only when the tide goes out do you really discover who's been swimming naked, and I do think a little bit of that is going on today. So, Alejo, with that in mind, from where you sit, from your vantage point, are emerging markets swimming exposed, so to speak? We run an in-depth analysis trying to address precisely that question. And we've looked at emerging markets making up the lion's share of emerging market GDP and also asset class benchmarks. Our conclusion is that the majority of emerging markets are wearing swimsuits. In other words, they're not necessarily swimming naked, even if a few of them have straps that are loosely tied. And let me give you three main reasons why. Number one, they have fairly healthy external accounts. A country's current account position matters a great deal when global financing conditions are scarce, as they're becoming scarce today. A deficit is indicative of an economy that is tending beyond its means, 
And a current account deficit roughly represents the capital inflows that a country needs to obtain so as to keep its exchange rate versus the U.S. dollar, say, unchanged. Today, emerging market current account positions remain in balance. And this is a much better position to be than the deficits that emerging markets had seen in prior episodes of global tightenings. Number two, we are seeing fairly manageable short-term external financing needs. If you think about the change that's taken place in, in the last couple of decades, we've seen deeper domestic capital markets in the emerging world, which has helped emerging market sovereigns satisfy much of their financing needs in local currencies. Now, external debt among corporations has, has grown quite a bit, and this is without a doubt a source of potential fragility. So what we did here is we computed a measure of balance sheet health, which is to compare simply short-term, both sovereign and corporate external liabilities with international reserves in, of course, foreign currencies. What we see there is that most large emerging markets do not appear susceptible to rollover risk since they have more than enough foreign currency to honor near-term external obligations. And number third and last, Dan, I'd say you have central banks in the emerging markets that are operating independently from political pressures and that as a result have implemented fairly advanced tightening cycles themselves. Monetary and currency policy in the emerging world has historically suffered from political interference and importantly from the fear to allow exchange rates to float so as to absorb external shocks. Today's approach is, is very different from that of years past. We've seen tightening well ahead of the Fed in many emerging markets, and this has pushed real interest rates above those of the U.S., above those of Europe, and this has helped keep inflation expectations relatively anchored uh, in, in the majority of emerging markets. Of course, Dan, all that said, deviations exist within regions and across countries. Asia, as a region, appears the most resilient to scarcer global liquidity conditions, while Latin America, Eastern Europe, the Middle East, Africa trail behind. But I think maybe most importantly, a country-by-country -country analysis might be quite helpful. There are a few countries that are vulnerable to what's going on in terms of the tide going out. A lot of considerations there, and to your point, it does sound quite circumstantial region by region or even country by country, as you were pointing out. So with all of this in mind, Alejo, what would you say are the investment implications of the analysis you just shared with us? Absolutely. Let me start by saying that in light of the resilience that I described earlier, I think emerging markets should make up a core part of investment portfolios. Thinking about the fixed income space, sovereign bonds in U.S. dollars are particularly interesting at this time, given that there's a lot of distress priced into the asset class. When you look at the spread over U.S. treasuries that 
this bonds offer. It's on aggregate 550 basis points or 5.5%. This is well into the 90th percentile of the last 20 years. Now, in this context, we expect positive returns in a wide range of scenarios. Of course, the asset class remains exposed to a potential scenario of stagflation in which core rates globally are pushed higher. So selectivity is still key. We highlight the need for a targeting approach. We prefer short duration bonds, select Latin American issuers, and we also see opportunities in the oil and gas sector. Moving on to equities then, we expect emerging market stocks to deliver mid-single digit positive returns through year-end. And this is on the back of attractive valuations, still constructive earnings growth prospects, and the reality that, that China is easing policy as the rest of the world tightens policy. The range of possible outcomes, however, is wide. It is a very uncertain world we're living in. And we are also finding select opportunities in structural earnings growth leaders, such as internet and e-commerce companies in emerging markets, as well as ESG leaders. So taken all together, then I'd say um, core positioning in, in emerging markets in addition to taking advantage to some of some select asset class specific opportunities. Well, Alejo, thank you for the guidance there on allocation within the emerging markets and for joining us once again here on Top of the Morning to share with us your current thinking on the space. Of course, there's a lot here we will monitor, a lot we can follow up on. So looking forward to having you back in about a month to continue on with our emerging markets conversation. Thank you again for your time today, Alejo. Appreciate it as always. My pleasure. Anytime, Dan. Thank you, Alejo. And again, I do want to point out that Alejo has been making reference to his team's monthly Investing in Emerging Markets flagship publication. The title for the month of August, again, is A Disciplined Approach as the Time Goes Out. So for clients of UBS, please be sure to contact your financial advisor to learn more about the topics covered on today's podcast and to receive a copy of that publication directly, which again can also be located up on UBS.com forward slash CIO. Uh, we've been joined today by Alejo Zerwanko, the Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.